As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staple Show presented by Sling. We're back! Ari. Well... If you're listening in the morning, this is the first thing you're hearing. If you watched on the YouTube stream last night, you already watched us for an hour and, and change, but we're back because it's about 2.10 a.m. Eastern time, and Arizona has stunned UCLA. They have bared down 34-28. Jaden Delora, fourth and four, says... Who needs to get a first down? Let's just score a touchdown. And then the defense holds on. And they UCLA were, is out <clears throat> of the playoff race. They set a stat on the broadcast that the last time that Arizona beat UCLA was in 2005. That was my freshman year of college, and I was at that game. And I don't think I've ever been drunker in my entire life than that night. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are sober, stone cold sober now because you're a married father of one. Yes, I uh, I and do it's the think middle that, of the night <laughs> that uh, it was almost as fun tonight, though. <laughs> it was incredible. It was a blast. That, that I mean, Jed Fish has done an incredible job with that program in the two years he's been there. He, you've written extensively about how hard that job was when he took it, the the roster rebuild he had to do, and he flipped it. And you were seeing some of the guys, like the guy who scored the touchdown was one of their biggest recruits. Yeah, uh, I think he's the highest-rated player, T-Mac, the highest-rated player to ever sign with Arizona in the history of the program. Um, and that's the type of guy that might be at USC if Lincoln Riley got hired a year earlier. So it'll be interesting to see how Arizona continues to accumulate talent. But there is this weird, funny correlation between having some dudes on your team and, and having a chance to win and right. having no dudes. So there's at Arizona, there's it's not dudes everywhere, but now there's some dudes around. Whereas two years somewhere. ago, there were no dudes anywhere ever. No dudes anywhere. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the more dudes around, the better for Arizona. And they've got some dudes. So I don't know um, if Jaden Delora plays football with any sort of acknowledgement of how a quarterback is supposed to behave or react <laughs> no to situations. No whatsoever because the, the series before, I don't know if it was one series before or two series before, that go-ahead touchdown, 
he had essentially, I, I thought he was going to run himself all the way out of field goal range. Like he was ducking and bobbing and weaving. And after he dodged the first two people trying to sack him, I was like, you know what? He's going to throw a touchdown pass here. But no, he ended up getting sacked and almost pulled them out. He didn't really almost pull them out of field goal range. It was still a fairly makeable field goal, but it went from like third and goal to fourth and infinity. It just made me want to watch Bryce Young play with without any guardrails at all. <laughs> <laughs> There's you wanna, no you, rules you wanna, here, you, Bryce. <laughs> you, you want to run backwards 40 yards on a drop back? Then do it. Just do it, okay? Uh, I mean, he, he played a hell of a game. Uh, I don't know if his offensive coordinator is going to have to take some medication for an ulcer after that, but it was a hell of a, a entertaining game. And, you know, I, I, I tweeted during the Oregon uh, – Washington game that you guys will listen to later on in the show um, about how it felt weird that the game wasn't being played at 1.24 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, so I'm happy that UCLA and Arizona gave us the gift of staying up and watching one of these classic Pac-12 wait, after wait, dark matchups. We got the true Pac-12 after dark experience that we wanted shortly before it becomes Big Ten after dark. You know, they're leaving. But let's, let's count them up now, Ari, because Oregon's out. And UCLA's out. USC got nine. Is, is the remaining hope for the Pac-12 in the college football The stage is set perfectly for USC to lose to UCLA next weekend, by the way. Oh, absolutely. I'm all but certain that's going to happen now. Abs- and, and that game is going to be an absolute face melter because neither defense is very good. Yeah, it's crazy when you think, like, why can't the Pac-12 get out of its own way? It's probably because no team in the conference has a good defense. That would be something that would help. I like as as Georgia and Michigan will attest, having a good defense helps you compete for the playoff. Yeah, I don't care how good your offense is. If you're giving 15 yard chunk plays up every single time the other team snaps the ball, I don't care how good your team is on offense, you're going to end up losing a game because of it. And it just keeps happening. It's like even if you look like with the game on the line for UCLA, Arizona was hitting like 35-yard chunk plays on third and long, and there wasn't a defender within 10 yards of the person who caught the pass. It's like it's like defense that's intentionally bad. I can't even explain how the scheme could be that. I mean, it's not the athletes. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the the uh, nine teams available now. Yes, are Georgia, Ohio State, alive. Michigan, TCU, Tennessee, LSU, USC, Clemson, North Carolina. Those are your nine teams that have a a legitimate chance, though I would argue the ACC teams are going to need some help Yes, to make the they college football playoff. Everyone's like, I tweeted that list out, and everyone's like, oh, Clemson? Oh. It's like, it's just the teams that are technically not 100% eliminated yet. Nobody's saying Clemson's going to go. Nobody's saying North Carolina's going to go. We actually, we talk a little bit about North Carolina later in the show because mm-hmm. we, tra- we time-traveled. Yes. But um, not a great night for the Pac-12, Andy. Not so much. And, and oh, by the way, Zach Ament on the in the chat on YouTube, Anthony Richardson's best game ever may keep the Pac-12 out of the CFP again. That's right. Utah lost to Florida. <laughs> so that doesn't help either because Florida's a middling SEC team at this point. But Ari, so let's let's recollect here because Utah is going to, to Eugene to play Oregon next week. Yep. Everything we saw, we saw this weekend suggests that Utah can win that game. Yes. So who's in the hunt for the Pac-12 title? USC, Oregon, UCLA, Utah. All very much alive. 
And Washington. And Washington. And Washington's back in it. Sorry, excuse me. Five yeah. teams very much alive with two weeks to go. And the Big 12 has given us a taste of what divisionless football is going to look like. But the Big 12 has a, a one clearly dominant team in TCU. TCU is already in the Big 12 championship game. We saw it with the ACC a couple of years ago during COVID when they played divisionless. This is what we're going to get with divisionless football in some leagues every year. And it's going to be spectacular. Like, yeah. This uh, is awesome. I have no idea who's going to make the Pac-12 championship game. Yes, it's uh, mid-November and you got five teams still alive, um, many of which are still playing each other in the future. So it'll be fun. Um, and it's just just how I drew it up, Andy. There's only one team left in the Pac-12 standing in the playoff race. USC. That's right. That's right. And we do have a little wager. I don't know. I think I'm going down like a sweet muffin, dude. I I think you I don't think USC will win three games in a row, which is what it would take to make the college football playoff. I don't think they will, but stranger things have happened. So I am not gonna gloat yet. But trust me, when they lose, I will gloat a lot. I have been kind of tormenting you about it all year. So I guess I, I will deserve it when the time comes. Well, and the thing is, like, I don't cash anything. Like, you can cash in three weeks. I don't cash anything. I have two more years to, to wait. To That's find what you out get for I being anything. certain about it. I listen. I it's fine. It has provided a lot of content for the show, and I appreciate that. Uh, speaking speaking yeah. of content for the show, there's one other thing that I'm sure if people listening in the morning listen to the show. And they're like, how come they didn't talk about Moose Muhammad in the arm sleeves in the Texas A&M-Auburn game? Well, because we didn't know about that when we recorded the first part of the show. But we do now. the last part of the show, but we do now. So Moose Muhammad tweeted this out in the wee hours. This is the Texas A&M receiver. He, he did not play at all. They showed him standing on the sideline, not playing. He, he's probably their most reliable receiver. Is that an accurate portrayal? Yes. It's hard to say that about anybody on Texas A&M's offense, but that that I think that's accurate. Nobody said the bar was high. Yes. All right. So this is what Moose Muhammad said. By the way, Ari, fun fact about Moose Muhammad: guess who his high school quarterback was? Uh, Drake May. That would be Drake May. That's right. <laughs> All right. Moose Muhammad says, "I'm going to clear the air. I was benched for wearing arm sleeves, something that my teammates and opponents wear frequently for protection. I apologize to my teammates and fans, and looking forward to getting back on the field. Much love, Gigum." Hashtag Giggum, hashtag Aggie football. Ari, this raises so many more questions than it answers. And it's 2.19 a.m. Eastern time. I can't really be calling people right now and waking them up and asking them what what, what this all means. But I, I guarantee there's a lot more to this story than what we just read. Yeah, my first thought was take them off then. Well, that would seem to be the, the, the way to solve the problem. But I don't know. Again, my guess is something goes considerably deeper here. You know so, what you could do? You could get on, get off your ass, work hard, mm-hmm. go to YouTube and watch every clip of every te- uh, Texas A&M game and see if anybody wore sleeves in the game this year. I thought about that. I thought about doing that. I even called up my DVR version of the Texas A&M Auburn game from tonight and was looking for sleeves. And then I looked up and realized it's fourth and four. And Arizona might score here, or they might get stopped, and UCLA might win, and then Arizona scored. 
Well, so, I thought the most interesting thing about sleeves. about this whole thing was if you go read the replies, he tweeted it one hour ago, and there were fifty yes. replies. I think forty of them are Texas A and M fans begging him not to transfer. So that's right. that's kind of the uh, the mode that we're in right now. And we, we do a little scenario later in the show about what would you say if you were Jimbo Fisher to your uh, offensive players uh, receiver, and it was almost like we knew what was coming. So what would you say to Moose Muhammad? Uh, you know, yes, we we, we did it with Evan Stewart, but you can pretend it's Musa Muhammad as well. Maybe you add something about arm sleeves in there. So when you get to that part of the show, now you're you're fully filled in. Listen, I just watched a a clip. Yeah, I'm um, I'm watching from the the Auburn game. Yes, same clip. There are guys on Texas A&M wearing arm sleeves in the video. Uh oh, dun dun dun. The plot thickens. I mean, I don't know, like, number 20, uh, defensive back, I think, uh, last name Gilbert, is wearing an arm sleeve. I'm looking at it right now. So, well, this is, this is going to be a, a mystery that has many, many layers. It'll be an onion that we have to peel back over the next few weeks. <laughs> this Texas A&M thing. I didn't know there was anything left to peel at A&M, but hell, you know. We were oh, at the core of the onion or just getting started, and I, I guess it's just getting started. I... This thing may blow up in spectacular fashion. Spectacular. Much like the the Pac-12 seems to be blowing up its playoff chances in spectacular fashion. By the way, we're staying we're staying up late this time next week. So all of you who have, been, have come back with us and and are on the YouTube chat with us right now, and and those of us who are, you who are listening now, and we're time traveling. And when you get to the end of the show, and we're talking about the beginning of the show, and your head starts to hurt a little bit, don't worry. Next week, we've already planned to stay up this late to do the show. So you we're should all plan staying too. up Sleep to watch Pac-12 After Dark. You're sickos just like us, so we're all staying up. It's going to be fun. I can't wait, Ari. This was amazing. This is 14 solid hours of college football madness. What other sport gives you that? Cricket, I know, but... That's probably it. It was amazing. All right. On to the rest of the show, which you may have already heard or you may not have. Again, my head's starting to hurt. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Do we feel a little differently about TCU? Vegas said yes. Texas was back. Texas ain't back. Yes. Uh, I do feel differently about TCU. I guess we should start right there because that was the, you know, my favorite thing about the college football community, Andy, is those games. And I know that everybody does it with the NFL too and the NBA finals and stuff. But every weekend, the entire college football community that I surround myself with on my Twitter is watching it at the same time. We got jokes, yes. comments. Everybody's at the edge of their seat. And we got that in that Oregon game. Oh, it was something. Uh, but TCU had control of of their game in the background while everybody was obsessed with that Oregon ending. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, as impressive of, of a win as they could possibly have right now, 
Well, yes, because what was the committee worried about? Game control. Who controlled that game? TCU's defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a different type of win. It was on the road in, I don't care what the rankings say or what, what Texas's um, record was, but that's a very tough game for TCU to win no matter what. They'll they still be the it. highest fourth-ranked team. I, mean, I loved that the committee's rankings last week were the Ascalon rankings. Like that was my favorite part of it. The Texas and Notre Dame were way higher than they should have been <clears throat> because yeah. clear, clearly the committee members like the advanced stats. They won't admit it. They're not saying it, but we can tell when you're using SP or SP plus or FPI or Massey or Sagarin, like we can tell that you are weighing those heavily by what you do. Yeah. And the thing that's interesting about TCU is that, you know, when you say, does your perspective change? I think it does. But I also don't think that they're in a position where any of that matters. The only thing that matters is whether they win or lose. Right. And, and the thing because is, because if like, they lose, they're done. So, it, yeah, they can win every game by one. Our perceptions can change. They can stay the same. They control their own destiny with three um, winnable games coming up for them. So, uh, you know, but I thought that this was a revelatory win for them. That was a hard fought game. It was on the road. And I got to tell you, Andy, I thought that Texas's defensive front for that first half or for most of that game looked like an sec defensive front, the way that yeah. they were playing. I mean, no, they, I mean that, from a talent standpoint, they have talent. Like they, they have what they need. They actually seem to be ahead of Oklahoma personnel wise for the move to the sec, but they still can't put it all together. Still can't. No, meet, I mean, as as good as TCU is, they're not as they don't have the star ratings that, that Texas does. But TCU is a better team, has a better mm-hmm. culture. But it's yeah, just, just like even if you throw all the Texas stuff that we always talk about out the window, the way that Texas's defense was playing in that game, I thought TCU was a walking L. And I was texting Sam Khan, our expert who was at that game. I was just like, "There's a, it's only a matter of time before these wheels fall off." And I was wrong the entire time, the all the mm-hmm. way through. I thought that they were gonna, they that Texas's defense is playing well enough that you know Bijan would hit a big run or Quinn Ewers would make a big play. And you know if you would have told me that that TCU only scored what was it seventeen ten seventeen points, yeah, that before the game that would have made me like Texas even more. And I told you even before the game started that Texas was going to roll them. I thought, yep. and I was wrong completely. So the fact of the matter is, is that does it change my perspective of TCU? Sure, because. You know, they've had a pretty tough road of it. And not only that, they went on on the road with a hostile environment. The Gary Patterson thing is kind of something that we joke about, but that's a real, you know, that's a a real thing thing. from a a standpoint of someone on the other sideline knows your personnel. Yeah, very, very well. You know, and the number one thing that's ironic about this whole thing is that Gary Patterson, who has a statue outside of TCU, his number one uh you know, regret, and I don't know if regret's the right word, but the thing that he would remember most bitterly was being left out of the playoff in 14. He gets mm-hmm. fired in the middle of last year. He writes the folk song about it. And then TCU in, in year one of the Sonny Dykes era is knocking on the door of the of the playoff where there will be no debate if they win. No. Um, so there is a lot of there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but TCU has won in a lot of different ways. Sometimes they had game control, sometimes they didn't, but you know, despite being, you know, hit in the face. I think that there was some stat that Texas had a tackle for loss on eight of the first 17 plays of the game or something like they, like I, they were kicking their ass, uh, right. the defense T- on TCU, offense. TCU is getting the ball in good field position, but and going backward it right for, I, I think going into the second half, 
the amount of plays they'd run in Texas territory, or maybe before the first field goal, the amount of plays they'd run in Texas territory, all of those plays were averaging like half a yard per play. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when your quarterback's getting sacked on every other play. And then even when when Duggan fumbled the ball and they scooped and scored at the end, you know, TCU gets the ball back and you think that uh, Texas is going to get a shot with a stop to push overtime. And what do they do? Slam the door on the face. Texas doesn't touch the ball again. Like good teams close games out, even in weird scenarios like that. So I have a tremendous amount of respect from from TCU. And I think the beauty of this conversation is that regardless of what I think or or you think or anybody in this chat thinks, they're they're driving the bus here. Absolutely. And and I kept saying all week, I don't think Texas will get them. I think Baylor's going to get them. Not after tonight, I don't. K-State manhandled Baylor. And now... I think TCU's path is pretty clear now that they're going to have to play somebody good in the in the Big 12 title game. Kind of looks like it's going to be K-State again. Yeah. You know, and beating the same team twice is a really hard thing to do in, in the same year, in my opinion. But I just think it's time that we stop viewing TCU as a dead man walking in the Pac-12, just waiting to find its loss and start respecting them as a team that is just better than these other teams in the Big 12. And you know what? They might still lose. It's college football. It's really hard what they have to do at the end of the year, but what they've already been through and the way that they, they won this game, even an ugly game where it looked like they were going to be facing some major issues, they they won that football game, and not only did they win it, they took control of it control of it after they almost lost control on the road uh, in the game's fi- final five minutes. So uh, they've got long, rangy receivers. Duggan's a playmaker. Um, their running backs back is great. The back is incredible. Good, yeah. Um, uh, I think that I, you know, it's just like hard because there's two ways of having this discussion. Um, one is, uh, do you have a different perspective of TCU as it pertains to whether or not they could beat a team like Georgia? I don't think my perspective on that has changed. But See, my it's perspective like two, on everybody beating yeah, Georgia hasn't changed. But do you yeah. think TCU would beat Ohio State or any of the other teams that are like firmly in the mix? Would they beat Tennessee or uh, you know some of the other teams that we're talking about here? Would they beat Michigan? I don't know. Um, I think those are two separate discussions, but do do they belong in the playoff and have they earned that spot? If they win their next three games, I think it's an unequivocal yes. Yeah. I mean, they, they're in if they're undefeated. If they've got a loss, there's going to be a debate. Tennessee's going to be tough to overcome for any one loss team. I'm, I'm warning everybody now. Like, just get your minds right for that because the committee's going to like Tennessee's wins better. So get yeah, your is there right. is there a scenario in your mind where TCU could lose a regular season game, win the Big Twelve, and still get in? Yes, yeah, Tennessee they're... loses to South Carolina or Vandy, and that's it. No, I no I. What if I well? What if Michigan lost to Illinois and then won the Big? I don't know. They'd still make it in if they won the Big Ten. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's just I I don't know. Like the thing that I think is is an interesting discussion, and I don't know if we have the answers for that right now. Maybe let the dust settle from today and see how things line up. But is there a scenario where TCU can play themselves into some some insurance or play themselves in, in a situation where they don't have to be perfect? Or is it just kind of like take the analysis out of it and I just win your games? Have, I think they got to be perfect. I think when win your games <clears throat> and you are in, there will be no debate. You you might even be number two or number three, depending on, on what happens with Georgia and what happens with Ohio State and Michigan. But just win. And, and you are in. So you have to win three more games. They're all three winnable games. One of them will be against the team you've already beaten. So you, you got to look at it that way. 
So. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, great win for them, and I'm happy that there's more discussion with them for another week. So it'll be cool yeah, to see what the committee does with them too. The Oregon thing was amazing because they could not stop Washington. So they go on a 10-minute drive. It looked like they were going to put Washington away and never give Washington the ball back. And then Bo Nix gets hammered on a third down play. They've got to kick a field goal. Washington, of course, can score again. Well, no, Washington doesn't score again. Oregon gets the ball back. They have a chance to score. And Bo Nix is trying to get back in the game. It's fourth down deep in Oregon territory. They don't realize Bo Nix is trying to get back in the game. They try to they try to hand off on fourth down. Back slips. Fourth and one from inside your own 40. Yeah. Yeah. In a tie game with four minutes left. Well, right? I understand why you're not punting because you can't stop Michael Penix. So like everybody was outraged by the call. Mm-hmm. I was not at all outraged. I wasn't I outraged think- by the by the decision to go for it. I was out. I was not pleased with the play call itself. The play call is fine or do something because they had a timeout still. Right. If you're going for it, you got to have to understand there that you're going for the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if Bo Nix is on the sideline begging to come in, you got to figure out a way to get him on the field for that final play. Right. Because Bo Nix adds that extra element where he could keep the ball. or and, um, and that's one of those things like Kenny Dillingham is up in the box, the offensive coordinator, and Dan Lanning is is down on the field, the head coach. There, I don't know who the point of contact is for the offense on the field. I know Adrian Clem, the offensive line coach, works down there. Uh, and I'm sure there, there's another assistant that, that is Bo Nix's point of contact on the field. But yeah, you, that information needs to be related to the head coach. Bo's okay. He can get back. Because the Bo Nix quarterback sneak for, for most of this season has been unstoppable. And you might and not be able to collapse there. on the... Well, yeah. the, the running back slipped, so, you know. But I don't know if you can completely sell out to stop the running back the way that they did as well. So... Um, yeah, the fact that they went for it is one thing, but the fact they went for it with a healthy or, or ready to get back in the game bonix on the sideline um, was very strange to me. And, of course, uh, Washington goes up to take the lead, and then bonix comes in with less than a minute left and and I think no timeouts at that time. So, you know, that was a tough tough look. And, you know, I think we, we all anticipated that Oregon – you know, Nicole shared the stat on Thursday or Friday when we had our show about how – no team has made it through the Pac-12 without losing a game in the playoff era. Mm-hmm. And that one really stuck with me because, you know, it, it does seem like year after year, Oregon gets bitten by teams like this and games and spots like this. And, you know, I didn't know if I saw it coming, but the fact of the matter is, Andy, and we were talking about this, is their defense is terrible. There's no other way to put it. Right. When they've played good offenses, they have had big Their problems. entire year, you know, yeah. anytime they've played good offenses, they, they can't get UCLA. stops. UCLA. They got stops in yeah, they UCLA. Yeah, they did. Yeah. But they're and I think the same exact game is gonna happen again next weekend. We get USC and UCLA. So yeah. um, by the way, UCLA know. locked in a uh, in a fight with, with Arizona. They just tied it up. It's fourteen all. Wow, uh, they just had the ball at their own one, so that must have been a fast drive. Uh that was not a drive. <laughs> I believe it was a defensive score. So uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson threw a fifty-one yard touchdown. Oh no, pass. it was a touchdown pass. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. Um, this is what but, I get for podcasting and watching at the same time. Yeah, you know what? You're doing your best. We're all we're all having a good time here. Well, here's the deal: if UCLA loses, we're coming. Like, we'll come back. You can you can be asleep. I'll come back and and we'll talk. Yeah, about I don't that. think that we have to worry about that. Uh, yeah. Maybe a little bit earlier that that would have been the case, but 
you know, Arizona is usually good for one of these wins, but it's usually at home. So I think that Tyron Fetterman that, in our chat, I think TCU could beat Tennessee. TCU has a decent defense and Tennessee defense, not as good as Texas. Yes, but you also have to play against Tennessee's offense. Yeah, Tennessee's offense. And you're not, and you're not Georgia's defense. And there's one thing that I have to say, and a lot of people were like kind of throwing this in my face a little bit, and maybe I deserve it, but Quinn Ewers looked off tonight. That I don't know what, what was going on there, but he did not have a very good game. No, and, and he's had a couple bad games this year. He's like the so. Oklahoma State game was was not good at all for him. So, you know, there if only they had another big time quarterback recruit coming in next year. If that's I'm, it? Are we punting on yours? I'm not punting. I'm just saying it's an open competition. Yeah, we well, there, there's a I'm chance that if he's not the choose, guy, but have, I'm saying it is. <laughs> they have another option coming in, but I I don't think I'm ready to punt on the guy yet, but I do think that there were a few plays there. You know, his deep ball accuracy is very underwhelming. And, you know, I thought that that would be one of his strengths, given the way that he was um, evaluated during his high school career. Uh, But, yeah, he missed a lot of throws tonight. And, you know, that was, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't want to trash a teenager, but, you know, it wasn't a good game. And he's got that kombucha money. You You can be critical now. If if you get NIL deals, we can be more critical. Especially if you have a sweet ride. Yes, I think that if you have your own logo, I can be critical. So when we I get think to the that's Graham, a fair. That's fair. Or yeah. your own condiment. Oh, by the way, pass down the seam to the tight end from Dorian Thompson Robinson. It was beautiful yeah, throw. I just floodgates are open. So when yeah. we get to the Wisconsin discussion, I, I'll let it. I'll let you have it. But okay. um, that uh, that was not the best game from Quinn. And I feel like if you would have had a five out of ten game, they would have had a chance to win. And I think that was like a two out of ten. Yeah, and look, I, I was very impressed with TCU's defense. I've been impressed with TCU's defense all year. They have put down the clamps when they've had to. Like, second half against Oklahoma State, second half against Kansas State, second half against Texas Tech, and then the entire game against Texas. I, I, I'm not going to – it's it's like the reverse of the what we talked about with, with Nebraska in the Scott Frost era. At what point does it stop being a coincidence? It's not. It's not a coincidence. They're good. They're just good. So, yeah, yeah, and they—they, they, I mean, Texas had a few shots there in the re- deep in the red zone too that they didn't get touchdowns on on a few drives. Um, yeah, but you know, hey, I don't know if this is a Texas is not back discussion or a TCU is is let's firmly celebrate in control, TCU. But let's celebrate let's TCU. Not, yeah, yeah, let's not turn this into a Texas discussion because it doesn't need to be. As yeah. TCU showed us, Texas doesn't need to be discussed right and it, now. And it's also not anything new what we've seen from Texas tonight. Like that's kind of what it is. So uh, yeah. You know. TCU, by the way, since since Mac Brown was fired, TCU has won eight of twelve meetings with Texas. Wow, eight of twelve. I'm sorry, eight of ten. Eight of ten. Eight of ten. So Gary Patterson is nine and one. Did I do that math correctly? Uh, no, Gary Patterson lost two. He uh, lost. he lost tonight. Yeah, so he's no no. Well, he, now he's lost three. Because he lost two as the he's TCU lost two coach. and now he's three. Yeah. Okay. So he, yeah. yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> he still you won know he most want, of them. You know he, he still wanted won most of them, but you know he doesn't want TCU to go to the playoff this year. I mean, come on. No, because it makes him look bad because he had <laughs> most of these players and he wasn't doing this with them. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back after these words. Let us let us move to the other playoff potential teams, playoff adjacent teams. Uh, there's not much to say about Georgia and Mississippi State. I thought Mississippi State played better than I thought they would, but Georgia still mushed them. Georgia's the number one seed. Georgia's the number one team. Georgia's going to crush Kentucky, which lost to Vanderbilt, by the way, and then Georgia's going to crush Georgia Tech, and then 
I don't have a lot of faith in LSU to beat Georgia either. So there you, you lose go. some faith on LSU today or what? Uh, I, I lost a considerable amount of faith, though I did appreciate them bringing uh, chicken broth and hot chocolate and coffee to be on the sidelines on a cold day in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So what would I, be I your choice if you were on the sidelines on a cold day in Fayetteville? Mm, well, if I'm playing football, I think I'm going chicken broth. But if I'm just standing there, chicken broth hot would chocolate be pretty good. Or coffee. Yeah. No, coffee might give you the scoots, though, and you might have to run to the locker room. That's true. Well, if I'm not, again, if I'm just standing there not playing, I'm not wearing <laughs> the pants with the pads. And like, I can, I can just walk in there. And I don't think do you'd be the first person back. that's had to run to the locker room for a quick, for a yeah. creep. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, Georgia's, Georgia's still good. Not really much <laughs> else to say about them. Yeah. Tennessee. By the way, if, if the air raid is playing a, a powerhouse in the SEC, just lay the points and make money. It happens every time. I, exactly. Exactly. Tennessee hung 66 on Missouri. Guess what? It turns out when they're not playing Georgia's defense, their offense is still really it good. It was funny because the <laughs> score was 28-24 in the third quarter, wasn't it? Right. And yes. then I looked at the score again, and they had 59 points. I'm like, what and, the hell happened over there? I guess Tennessee just uh, remember they were Tennessee Yeah, and, and laid some points on them. Yeah. So And that's a... You know, the team that they beat isn't going to be getting anybody to, you know, string yeah. any neck muscles turning to look at it. But, you know, you, when you put up a, a 60 burger on an SEC opponent, it kind of helps maintain some momentum as you try to sneak your way into this thing. And Ohio State named its score against Indiana, had a touching moment at the end, mm-hmm. right? The the touchdown to who, who the, the, the His captain. name was Cameron Babb. Cam, Cam, Cameron um, Babb, if you don't right. know this backstory, um, he was a top 100 receiver, I believe, from St. Louis area. And when they got him, he, uh, you know, he was a big time get. And, you know, obviously this was before or at the beginning of Ohio State's run at the receiver position in recruiting. And he has torn both ACLs, has a lot of nagging in- injuries. All the while he, um, you know, stuck with the team. He could have, you know, it was kind of like Johnny Dixon a few years before him where he was just snake bitten when it came to all the injuries, but he stayed with it, became a captain of the team. Everybody looked up to him. Um, he wears that block O number the way that, uh, you know, they, they handed out for the captain and, you know, he finally got into a game and I think that was his first reception uh, right. in college. And it was a touchdown. And it was a touchdown and the entire Ohio state uh, sideline swarmed him as a, as an ode to how much he means to that football team. And, you know, it's funny. You've got, in my opinion, the best receivers. Two. I don't know if you think Marvin Harrison or Jackson Smith and the Jigba is better, but they've well, got Jackson two. Smith and Jigba hasn't really been able. He's been this playing. Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best receiver currently playing. Did right you see now. the catch with the leg? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I don't even know how he got that that foot down. But there were there were two catches today, and we'll talk about the other one in the Notre Dame game later. But but yeah, you know, it was just a what an illustration of a team loving each other. Um, and I don't want to sound cliche, and I hate all this brotherhood stuff, but um, it was a nice touching moment, and um, you love to see people who persevere and stick with it. Who could have just you know become a team manager or gone yeah. into coaching, you know, stick with the athletics and you know, actually get in the game and, and do something, you know, that's, it's, it's yeah. big and that's a moment he'll never forget. So certainly uh, the most interesting thing about that Ohio state, Indiana game, other than Ohio yeah. state seemed to kind of wake up, I guess. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, Indiana is not going to provide much of a challenge. Uh, no. Michigan, Michigan also kind of name your score against Nebraska. It looked kind of a little bit of a slow start, but, but once they got mm-hmm. going, they, they, Blake Corum, another big game. So, again, they're just sort of hurtling toward that meeting. Yeah, it's two meteors uh, in space ready to collide. And 
It just not, stinks that we've got to wait two more weeks to see it, but you know that's the position that we're in. And right I'm not now, totally so. out on the idea of them both somehow making the playoff. I, I think there may be some some wacky scenarios where that might happen, but I think it will come down to what the committee prefers. Will it be Tennessee or whoever loses that game? Right, and and I'm telling you, the committee likes what it considers to be good wins. Mm-hmm. And Michigan has none. Unfortunately for for Michigan and Ohio State, they're not going to like the wins. Yeah. yeah. And that, yep. that's that's the problem. And in all in all scenarios too, like you might be, you know, I think what the comparison will be is can you overlook a blowout loss because of the wins or the only loss that, you know, either Ohio State Michigan has is a, a loss in a rivalry game. You know, right. that's close. You know, that's and I, I think I think the closeness of that game will influence it somewhat too. Or if it is a game that is decided in a controversial fashion, it's a very close yeah. game. But there's no guarantee like that the, that game is going to be close screwed. either way. I think no, that either not. team could blow the other one out. So um, that is going to be um, one of the better games of the year, and I cannot wait to watch it. And, you know, the thing that stinks about the Big Ten is sometimes you get into these these types of seasons, especially with the for the long time I was covering Ohio State, where they just don't play interesting games during the year. Like Ohio State's gone all year, and they they played yeah. Notre Dame in the opener when nobody knew what to expect, and then ever since then there hasn't been a single exciting game. Yeah, the the other teams in the Big Ten need to step up and be better. It's just like, like too that's, easy. Like, that's the that's the difference with the Big Ten and the SEC. Like the SEC has teams that put tons of money into this and get good players and try to be interesting. Like. The you know, Big the theme Ten of this, needs more teams doing that. The theme of this podcast, too, is as we're talking, we will update the Arizona-UCLA game, and Arizona just took the lead. Uh, they did just score. Uh, so I guess, you know, we're going to be up till 3 in the Jane morning De- again. So. Jaden Delora, baby. Yeah. Um, Jed Fish with the little side fist pump right there. 13 of 15 for 161 yards and a touchdown and another rushing touchdown. So he's he's having a pretty good game. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I just like I don't know. We're going to be talking a lot about who we think is going to win that game, and there will be plenty of time for that. It just, I am just a little disappointed that Michigan has gone through an entire season and their best team they've played is Penn State, and Ohio yeah. State's gone through an entire season and the best team that they've played is Penn State. You know, it's just I, like, I, I just want to see them challenged. Now, speaking yeah. of Penn State, they look great today. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, destroyed Maryland. On the Maryland's road. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is – I, what changes here? All right, the, so the the rankings. I don't think the the top of the rankings change. It's still going to look like it did this past week. Where's Oregon falling to? Um, nine, ten. Yeah, ish. Do you where's where's Washington coming up to? Because that's that's the other question. Is like Washington's now in the mix for the Pac-12 title. Yeah, are they like hold five a very important or six teams right that actually have a chance to? Yeah, um, yeah. It's like funny too because if UCLA can beat Arizona, which isn't a given as we're, we're currently speaking, USC beat the crap out of Colorado on Friday night. Like all the mm-hmm. teams that were ranked outside of Oregon won. Like Utah won, right? Or is winning? Is winning? They're playing. Right um, now. So the like to me, it's like Washington was number twenty five. I, th- I could see them jumping to fourteen, thirteen after that. Yeah, especially because it was on the road. Um, You know, the thing that's interesting is now Washington's a two-loss team, and their two losses are against. I mean, I can't believe they lost to ASU, but I know together that weekend. But an eight-point loss that uh, at UCLA, I guess, is a forgivable loss. But you know, now we're into that two-two loss 
There's a bunch of two and three loss teams yeah. ahead of Washington. I don't and, think there will be a single three loss team ahead of them coming into the by, into by the, the weekend, way. So it's halftime in Salt Lake, and Utah is only up fourteen seven on Stanford. Okay, so well, just keep that keep that in the back of your mind. Saying, too. Is the Pac twelve imploding right now? Is that what we're talking about? I don't know if we're talking about imploding. We, you and I, always said USC had the best chance because they play Notre Dame. I think that USC. No, the Pac-12 cleared the way for USC to make the playoff if they can do this. The problem is, I still is that don't I don't think, think that USC is going to win. I, I don't think they're going to win, and even if they did, the resumes are going to be put side by side, and Tennessee is going to be put in the playoff. Well, you might be put in a situation if TCU loses where you need to find two teams. That's true. This is, this so is if a good you, point. If you need to find two teams, what I think would be interesting is— Then it would be TCU versus TCU USC. would be three, maybe— mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then TCU and the loser of the Ohio State Michigan game in Tennessee might be there. Yeah, what did the, I say? TCU, Tennessee. Yeah, USC would be the other team. USC, in the mix. like so. Yeah, like I think that we're we're all assuming that there's going to be three spots spoken for on the last day, and there's only going to be one spot to make up for. I, but I think there's certainly a chance that there could be two spots that aren't. You're spoken absolutely for. right. You're absolutely right. TCU could lose. Other crazy things could happen. North Carolina and, and Clemson still one lost teams. Theoretically, they could still be alive too. So, they, but they, I do think that it's pretty safe to say that was USC the biggest winner of the day. Yes, even though they didn't play. Even, yes, well, on Friday, so you just put their game on Friday to Saturday. Yep. But the biggest winner of the playoff race, right? Because I don't think that Tennessee was necessarily threatened at all by Oregon. Because uh, I think that they would have gotten the right away there. Mm-hmm. But now Oregon's cleared out. LSU's going to get cleared out when they get creamed by. Georgia and Atlanta. Right. So you have, you know, USC there. There's not a lot of, you know, USC needs TCU or Tennessee to lose. Um, but there's a, a path there for them. Yeah. I just don't think they're going to go undefeated. Their defense is poo-poo. <laughs> exactly. That's what it's it is. cocky. <laughs> and and that's the same that's the same problem we had with Oregon. I mean, we're watching Oregon, you and I are texting each other like you they, nailed it not, too. They're not making it through this gauntlet. With this defense, whether they had won against Washington or not, they were not making it through this group of games. I mean, that rope that Penix threw, I mean, right before Good the drive. Lord. I said, Andy, what do you think the over under on this uh, touchdown drive is? And he said five plays. And I was it's like, that's two. a pretty aggressive line. And it took two or three. So it's like, yeah. Uh, also, Oregon, what are we doing? Where's the safety in it? I mean, I, I don't know what's going on. No, the safety took it. That was just a laser beam for Penix. Like, that's, that's, nobody makes that throw. <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah, I don't know. Let's talk conference championship games because we've got a couple of them set. The SEC matchup is set. It will be Georgia against LSU. LSU surviving at Arkansas in an ugly, ugly game. Thank Harold Perkins as much as humanly possible, Tigers, because he was unstoppable, had four sacks and two forced fumbles. And just basically look like if you if you made the predator a football player, uh, the ACC title game is set. Clemson beat Louisville. North Carolina won a shootout with Wake Forest. Our Drake May for Heisman campaign continues. Not just Drake May is one and zero in games after he came on our show. By the way, that's right. We are not a curse. So if you want to win the Heisman, come on our Hendon Hooker uh, went. Like eight no before he lost the game after coming on our show. We cursed KJ Jefferson though. We certainly did. That was the AM week, wasn't it? Yes. Ooh, yeah. Mm. For a while there, Max and Sam show was a curse. Like every every good Big Twelve player that came on that show lost. They had Sonny Dykes this past week and it seemed to work for him. So it is like I mean, 
for future guests, and I'm not sure if I'm torpedoing, torpedoing our chances, but if you're trying to avoid grab ass in the field, then maybe don't play grab ass on Wednesday with us. But, you know, or exactly. do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, hey, Drake May talked about his, his – the. Offense coordinator, his wife makes bread pudding. It's delicious. He hates scary movies. He hates roller coasters. He loves throwing touchdown passes, and he threw a bunch more against Wake Forest. That over didn't hit, by the way, Ari. It didn't. No, it was... They were two touchdowns away from hitting the over late in the third quarter. Yeah. And if you would have said, will this over hit, at that point, I would have been like, do you want to like put my house up for collateral? Because obviously... And I think there were three or four trips to the red zone in the fourth quarter, and it only amounted to three total points. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, that's uh, gambling's crazy, man. But Drake May, 31 for 49, 448 uh, yards, three touchdowns, 19 carries, 71 yards, and a rushing score. I, the guy's pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bo Nix had a nice stat line tonight, too, but but Drake May just keeps putting up the numbers. Now, you may you may – not like the defenses he's playing. I, I understand. But the dude's still putting it up. So Drake May, Hendon Hooker, still doing very well. Blake Corum, another big game. CJ Stroud, a big game. So basically everybody who was kind of at the front kept moving toward the front. And and this the separation will come in the next few weeks for that, too. Well, someone just asked me, Nicholas Garcia, Ari, would you rather mm-hmm. have Quinn Ewers or Drake May for the next two years? Drake May. Oh, this is not, even, not even a question. A question. I, I'm not sure there's a quarterback in the country that I'd rather have. I think for that two I would. Drake I, May, and I know that people view me as a hot take artist, but reel me in here, Andy. I'm going to look at you in your beautiful eyes, and I'm going to tell you this: I would be shocked sitting here right now if you told me that Drake May wasn't the number one overall pick in the draft. He answers. I think that's probably right. So if you go listen to my show with Dane Brugler, Prospects to Pros, on the Athletic Football Show feed, we talk about that this week. Our, uh, Dane thinks that Drake May would be the QB1 of this class if he were in it. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah. That he that's would be quite picked a compliment. Over, he would be picked over C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, and yeah. So, Well, like, I don't know, like, you know how sometimes we like to throw weird comparisons out there? Um, but let's just, for the sake of, of argument, throw out this weird comparison. Like, he is six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds. Runs really well. Has a really big arm. Is he like Josh Allen in the making right now? Like, let's, who are we watching? No, I'm not saying see, that. We can't keep throwing around the Josh Allen comparison. No, no, I'm but, just saying like he is built like him and he plays like him. So like, if you're, but you can't say let's stop throwing out the Josh Allen stuff. Like, I get it. That's you know, as Dan Rubenstein likes to say with me hyperbolic yeah but if you want to say that you would take him over bryce and cj right now that's a hell of a statement so yeah, like, if you're going to go down of, that road you have to guys like, in college what is he projecting as here well this is a guy who wasn't a big high draft pick but a guy in college who played like this who was was athletic and could run well but it wasn't kind of the thing he really wanted to do the most and could make great throws like dak prescott at mississippi yeah. state it, it, I think Drake's a little more athletic. That's why Drake would be a, kind of a higher draft pick. Uh, Sean Polsher asked, was Drake May a big-time recruit? How did he end up at US, at UNC? Well, if you listen to our interview with him, you will find out. But he, he was a big-time recruit. He was actually committed to Alabama first and then flipped to North Carolina as he watched North Carolina guy Sam Howell having success there. 
Remember, Drake May's dad played quarterback in North Carolina. His older brother, Luke, was a basketball star. He's a five-star prospect, ranked number yeah. 24 overall. Yeah, he was class. a very, very good player. This isn't, uh, this, is no, this isn't just like three-star uh, yeah. <laughs> three kid. Uh, this is not know, diamond in the stars. rough. Yeah, there's no di- he was a diamond. It just was out for everybody to see him. He, <laughs> exactly. was, in the sh- he was a diamond in the showcase. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He, he was at... He was at Saks Fifth Avenue yeah. or at at Tiffany, like yeah. in the in the he glass was, case. Yeah, so, and we're pretty we're two years away from him becoming the Hope Diamond. So, as it pertains <laughs> to value for for some <laughs> terrible NFL franchise, exactly. Yeah. So, in the championship game, TCU clinched a spot in the Big Twelve championship game. The Big Ten championship but Andy, game. I got to yank you back for a second. Okay, rank, yank me back, please. Is UNC going to make the playoff if they went out? No. They're out? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I I don't know I, if I agree with that. Listen, I keep telling you guys this and nobody again, nobody wants to listen to me. None of these teams are getting picked over an 11 and 1 Tennessee. They're not. Like they're going to put the resumes side by side and take the names off and say who beat who and Tennessee's going to be in. Like I don't. I don't mean to disappoint. North everybody, Carolina but, beats Clemson at the end of the year, and Clemson doesn't lose again. The mm-hmm. committee is going to be very impressed by that. Now, yeah, we, they'll be they'll be more impressed by beating Alabama and LSU. I think you're probably right. I would not bet a large sum of money on it. Like that's an that's like an absolute. I think that I think that there is still a path here for them. I I think there's a path if some crazy stuff goes down. There's definitely like for them and Clemson. Tanner, whoever wins that game. Put up the Tanner H. comment here. Uh, yep. If UNC wins out, they will be seen. They as most certainly team. will not They'll be, be seen that way. Conference champion. I don't. I don't know <laughs> because the rest of the schedules will not compare very favorably. Yeah, I don't know how to break this to you about the ACC, Tanner. Oh, it's not very well it respected. To too. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> but like that so, defense hasn't really kept Oklahoma out for the last five years. No, it hasn't. It hasn't. And Tennessee's defense isn't that great. So, but what if what if Tennessee gets dump trucked in the in Atlanta? Tennessee's not playing in Atlanta. Sorry, not Tennessee. Sorry, um, LSU. Well, they're gonna be. Yeah. I so think. then you take you take their second most impressive win, and then you realize that it's over a pretty good team, but not an elite team. Okay. And then Alabama is not what we thought they were. Um, yeah. I think beating Clemson would probably be akin to beating Alabama in terms of the committee's eyes. Plus, you're doing it on a neutral field. I'm playing. I'm. I'm. I'm maybe I'm overthinking it here, but I'm trying to play devil's advocate. Well, let's. let's and you look win at the, the conference championship. Um. Let's look I don't at know. the FPI strength of schedule rankings. I, I I'm genuinely curious to see where these are because they also have the the remaining strength of schedule. Um. So Tennessee's strength of schedule going this going into this week was two. The remaining strength of schedule is seventy five. So it's going to come down some, but not much because they've already played most of their schedule. I'm afraid to hear this comparison because it's going to really blow up in my face. North Carolina's strength of schedule is eighty six. Oh boy! And their remaining strength of schedule is twenty three. So it will come up some, but it will not come all the way up. But that does not factor in who they would who they're playing yet, right? Right. The Clemson thing will help that a lot. Um. It still won't be close. Right. They don't have a single really good win. That, again, there's your problem. Like, if they'd have beaten Notre Dame, I think that helps. 
Well, they'd be undefeated. <laughs> well, right. But yeah. they, like, like if you swapped if you swap Notre Dame for a loss to someone else, like yeah. let's say they had lost, wound up lo- losing to App State. I just want to go on record here and say that I've been buying North Carolina stock for two years now. I'm just buying yep. it and buying it and buying it and buying it. So like I'm not going to let go of them so easily. I, I, I want to be you, right about I don't, them. I don't think you should. I think they're a great story. I think Drake May is awesome. And again, weird stuff can happen. Like we're not we are assuming chalk. Chalk is not necessarily okay. going to happen. Let me flip the script on you here. Okay. Take Tennessee out of this. Okay. Okay. Let's just say my scenario of two spots open up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tennessee slides in at three. Right. 12 and 1 TCU, 12 and 1 North Carolina, 12 and 1 or, or Clemson. USC. Or 12 and 1 USC. That's a really interesting because I think North 12 Carolina and 1 and USC TCU's are gone. Similar there. You think so? I think 12 and 1. All right, Especially if they uh, lose their, if their loss is the Big 12 championship. Let's, let's look at those strengths of schedules again. Uh, TCU is 67. The remaining strength of schedule, which included tonight's game against Texas, is one. So theirs is going to go up. But again, it's it's because it's only a, a fourth of the season. It's not going to go up as much. Where's USC here? I'm still looking. Oh, no, USC. So USC is the 61 strength of schedule, 35 remaining. So very comparable there. North Carolina, we said 86 and then 23 remaining. Clemson had the 54. 55th toughest schedule 55th or 52 remaining so uh, yeah i i think and don't don't discount the sexiness factor of beating mm-hmm. clemson at the end we know what clemson is but the committee right won't. it also like you covered a game like this you you had ohio state you were covering ohio state in 2014 when they played wisconsin yes like the way they beat wisconsin mattered so yeah. And this this kind of goes both ways, whether that's, I have whether a conspiracy that's Clemson theory about or, 2014, or North Carolina. Though. Oh, go ahead. My conspiracy theory is that they couldn't pick between TCU and Baylor, so they just left both out. I don't think so. I think they said if they played, if 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 TCU played Ohio State or Baylor played Ohio State, who would win? And they're like, Ohio State would be both of them. Yeah, well, I think, that, yeah, maybe both could be true. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody keep, thinks it's some, some complex thing. They're just like, who do you think would win? At the end of the day, that's the question they're asking. Yeah. And like, who do you think would win? Um, who do you think would win if UNC played USC? Do you right. think that UNC would have a thousand yards of offense in that game? I think that game might be the most fun game ever, and it might last six and a half hours. Would this like would it be more scoring than Wake Forest? Yes. Because USC is a better offense than Wake Forest, and USC. It would, it would, like, it would look like the UNC App State game. What would the over under of that game be? Like one hundred and thirty nine and a half. It'd be like seventy. <laughs> it'd be like seventy nine. Yeah, yeah. So, like, but who do you think would win UNC and TCU? I guess you have to go TCU. I would pick TCU at this point because I think TCU would probably keep them below their scoring average. And North Carolina's offense would let TCU's offense score. But, or North Carolina's defense would let TCU's offense score. If we release a, a list of teams that are still alive, mm-hmm. North Carolina's on the list. We can agree on that, right? Absolutely, because stuff can happen. Oh, let's do that. That we haven't done that exercise. Let's, All right, do, let's it. do it. Georgia's still alive. Ohio State's. Still are you alive. counting? Yes, Michigan's still alive. That's three. TCU is still alive. Is four. 
USC, five. UCLA, as we speak, but they're trailing at the half. Right. So that's six. LSU is alive. LSU. USC is alive. I had. I already said USC. Did you, say, you did. Yep. Yep. Ooh. North Carolina, Clemson. So we're at nine. Yeah. That That's might it. be it. That's it. It's nine. Nine. Yeah, because we had Illinois last time. Remember, they were only one loss. Illinois. Now they're three loss. Illinois. Which yeah. brings me to brings me to something we were going to talk about earlier. The big the Big Ten title game. Remember when Illinois had beaten Minnesota and Wisconsin and Iowa, and we were sure that Illinois was going to be the West champ? We are not sure that Illinois is going to be the West champ now. Purdue actually is uh, is somewhat in the driver's seat, it feels like now. But Iowa definitely still has a chance. Okay, so what's the situation there? I don't want to like get out a, a Sharpie and start putting math down. Just help me out here. All right, we, we went over this with our friend Ralph Russo earlier today. And Jerry Palm tweeted it out. So let's let's find the Jerry Palm tweet because Jerry Palm is much smarter than we are. Purdue wins the Big Ten West if it wins out and either Minnesota or Nebraska beats Iowa. And That's if, a lot of ifs. What if Iowa wins out? They, do they control their own destiny? Not if Purdue wins out. Oh, well, I guess I, I guess they do, though. And that's, that's a good question. You just said is Purdue doesn't. They yeah, need Iowa, Iowa would to lose. Be, uh, uh, Ari, do you want to hear the the remaining schedule for Purdue? You ready? Isn't Purdue playing uh, Northwestern in Indiana? That would be correct. But I, you, what you just said means that Iowa has the tiebreak over Purdue because they beat them. They do. They do have the tiebreak. So, like, I just don't know who controls their own destiny here. It sounds like Iowa does. Yeah, because they're playing Minnesota. So, Minnesota, so Iowa controls their own destiny with, and, and Iowa, um, but Iowa lost to Illinois. Correct. This is confusing. I don't know who controls their it own destiny. It is very confusing. Again, like I said, this is the season that the ACC Coastal almost, always promised us but never gave us. The, the Hall of Mech that is the Big Ten West will eventually spit out a champion, and that team will be boat raced by Ohio State or Michigan. If Iowa wins the Big Ten West, like, do we just say, like, you know what, Kirk, you're right, dude. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just I do watched, what you're doing. I watched the entire Wisconsin uh, I did, I did Iowa too. game from LeVar start to Wood, LeVar Woods deserves such a huge raise because – that is it. That is a special teams win. If ever there was a special what teams Iowa win, Iowa does to people. But in the in the hidden yardage, is just surgical. I mean, it is like if I were the head coach of Wisconsin, like I my my I had blood vessels in my face breaking. Like it's just it's frustrating as a onlooker to watch like what they do to you. Like every time Wisconsin punted, I was like, oh well, they'll get the ball. Iowa's going to gain plays. a massive advantage here. Well, no, because they blocked one punt that set up a score, and then they had a big return that set up more. But when they, they but when they punted back and forth to each other for the entire third quarter, it felt but like. But Iowa's punting is good, and Wisconsin's punting that's was what I'm not saying. good. Yeah, yeah. Iowa was moving the ball down the field from yeah. punting. Yeah. So Ugh. you know they had two offensive touchdowns in the first half. One was uh, right after a blocked punt. And the other one was a or sorry, one offensive touchdown. 
Kirk Ferentz thinks this is the hottest conversation he's ever heard on a podcast. No, I mean, but like, but Iowa, Iowa is like, you want to talk about sucking the soul out of your chest? Like, Iowa does it in an inhumane, disgusting way. <laughs> You're exactly right. At least Georgia does it nobly. Like, Georgia is like <laughs> Just by the smothering guy. you on defense. And yeah, then, Georgia's and then the guy who just Throwing comes up to Darnell to you. Washington when they don't. The, the play where, where, Bennett, where Bennett fakes to Brock Bowers and then throws to Darnell Washington was like, that's the scariest pass play that's ever been run. <laughs> Georgia beats the crap out of you. Iowa like does the thing where they poke you in the eyeballs <laughs> over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, death, death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. No, and it's just like, it works. I can't help but say if Iowa had a competent offense, how awesome they would be. Oh my God. But like, dude, be so they good. Were, like Wisconsin, by the way. Yep. Stinks. S- say okay, it. They stink. I don't know what happened to Graham Mertz. Stars didn't matter there. No, of course not. They, I don't. I don't. But I don't know if it's Graham's fault or if it's Wisconsin's fault. Yeah, there's there's a lot of water under that particular bridge, so I, I don't know either. But I do know if they could hit some open receivers every once in a while, that game would have turned out very. He was differently. throwing the ball into the second row of the stands every time he threw the ball. Yeah, it was. I, I have no idea what was happening in that game. Well, it, it so, I mean. Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. Can you even imagine after after all this? Because like if if they clinch the Big Ten West, can you imagine Kurt getting up either after he's holding Floyd of Rosedale if it's next week or or if it's after they beat Nebraska on on Black Friday? And he's just like, suck it to all of you. I'm gonna be here forever. I think the thing And guess like- who's gonna run the offense? Forever, I was Brian. Gonna, I was going to say, like, the best thing that Iowa could do is the day that they clinch the Big Ten West championship and punch their ticket to Indy, they should just send a press release out about an extension for Brian Ferentz. <laughs> <laughs> Lifetime extension. Just like a – no, I think it would be funnier if it was a three-year three-year deal. It's like – because, like, it's real. You know, like, you have to – but, like, Kirk Ferentz is definitely the coach that loves to tell you how good they used to be in the news conferences. Yeah. So, like, if they go to the Big Ten West and they, he keeps his son, he will trot out to the press conference a year from now and say, you know what? We won the Big Ten West last year. I don't know what else you want from us. We played better down the stretch. I like the direction our program was headed in. We're going to give this another shot because I don't give up. I, I, I just think he should get up and be like, you idiots on that podcast. It's supposed to be a national show, but you talked about my offense every week. I mean, Suck I, it. this is the worst case <laughs> scenario for Iowa fans, and I hate to say it, but... You know, you want to beat your rival, of course. Don't tweet at me. It's important to win a rival game. I get it. Giving Kirk Ferentz any hope that this thing's the right way to go, I think, is a really <laughs> bad, really bad problem for you. Um, I don't know. I I legitimately don't know if I enjoyed watching that game at all. Like, I don't know if I I hate watched it. Or if it was beautiful. Like, I can't, I don't know how to parse my emotions. There's in the back of my head because I'm watching four different screens and I'm watching modern, competent offenses. And this wasn't just a criticism of Mayo, it's also a criticism of Wisconsin, which obviously there's a coaching change. We all assume Jim Leonard's going to get the job full time, but he may make some changes offensively. I don't know. Maybe just add some stuff. Like, I mean, Wisconsin's offense doing, was worse, right? You can keep doing what you're doing, but 
I don't Iowa's know. defense is better than maybe Wisconsin's maybe defense. play tempo every once in a while. Like Georgia plays tempo every once in a while. They still maul people. It's I've never, possible. I've never thought in a million years that I would be watching a Wisconsin game during the Graham Mertz era and be longing for a Scott Tolzien clone. Yeah, Ari, this is the this is the thing though. Be who you are. No. Sometimes Scott Tolzien is all you need. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like Scott Tolzien is is the perfect person for what they did. I know. That's all you and if you, so yes. A guy who can stop make as, intermediate throws consistently yeah. but isn't going like to stop aspiring to to get the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence type recruit and find find you your Scott Tolzien. There are about 900,000 of them per cycle, so it shouldn't be that hard. Exactly. Exactly. Especially because you could probably pull them out of the portal from some FCS school. Just find you your Scott Tolzien. He has to be a statue. He can't move. (laughs) We're going to talk about a game in the SEC. Uh, First, though, in the chat on YouTube, Randy Payne, go dogs from Tifton, Georgia. Heck yeah, Tifton, Georgia. Exit 62 on I-75 in the state of Georgia. The best exit on Interstate 75. And I know I've driven... Pretty much the entire thing from Miami to Canada. Got a sweet gas station there or something? Oh no, they got they got all the gas stations, but they also have a Logan's Roadhouse. They have a beautiful Chick Fil A that I once watched a very high speed police chase through. Uh, they have a brand new Panera Bread. They got a Star. It's the last Starbucks for a long time if you're heading north. Uh, but it's also I turn off there when I'm headed to Auburn, and that is where we're headed now because there was a game a on the plains that it was a hideous game. 13 to 10, Texas A&M gained negative six yards in the third quarter. Negative six. Auburn turned the ball over four times, and it felt like they were trying to give the the game to Texas A&M, but Texas A&M just wouldn't take it. But the fans were going berserk at Jordan-Hare. Carnell Williams was having so much fun on the sideline, and he cut a promo with Cole Kublik after that game. Where he he looks around, he waves his hand around the stadium, he goes, who wouldn't want to come to Auburn? This is Auburn that just fired its coach. This is Auburn that had lost five in a row before this game. And it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny at all. Like, he, one, he's dead serious. Two, if you watched that whole thing and you were watching that scene, you're like, hell yeah, I want to come to Auburn. That that looks amazing. And that's kind of why they have hope no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and and here's the thing about it. I've always said, and and the folks at Sports Source Analytics back me up on this. Hiring someone who went to your school is irrelevant. It does not really change things one way or another. It doesn't give them a better chance to win. It doesn't make it harder for them to win. But we talked about this earlier this year. Making your interim someone who is an alum is a is probably a good thing. It is probably a helpful thing because that person can still recruit and they can tell people, hey, I may not be here next year, but I can tell you that this place was great for me and it's it was bit, great yeah, for my life. It's a perfect point. So I I think, can they win the, the Iron Bowl? I have no idea. I have no idea, but they're going to play Western Kentucky next week. I think they can win that game. Austin Reed, who uh, the guy Western Kentucky pulled out of D2, good quarterback. But I think Auburn can win that game. 
I think it's going to be Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter running for a lot of yards. But what Carnell Williams has done just over these past couple weeks is unbelievable. We should have a column about that's like a that's a take. I'll do it if you don't want to do it. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Okay. But um, <laughs> I'll take your idea and put it into words. But I don't know. I don't think it means he's going to get the Auburn job. Now, if I am the new Auburn head coach who gets millions and bajillions of dollars thrown at me, I am probably trying to keep him on my staff. Yeah. But if I'm somebody else, I'm looking at him and going, you know what? Maybe I want him. Maybe I want him to be my head coach. Yeah, yeah. I think he's uh, kind of uh, got some a ways to go about game management. And um, well, yeah. I mean, know, he's, but he's, that's that stuff is been a head coach for two games. Two games. So. Yeah. Um, but he has the the spirit, I think, and that's yeah. a very important tool. To and have. and he can he can get people to play together. And what it was interesting, what he kept saying is like, you have to serve these guys. Because everybody kept asking him, like, how are you doing this? How are you leading them? How are you creating this environment? He's like, I am not. I am serving these guys. And I think that's an important thing to think about, especially those guys at Auburn. You've got some really talented players who have been through a lot of crap. The guy who recruited them, Gus Malzahn, got fired. The guy that they hired to replace him got fired. And now you're just running out the string after a big, long losing streak. But guess what? They've found a way to make that fun and to make that memorable. And I guarantee you, those Auburn players will remember this game for the rest of their lives. And they should. Now, the Texas A&M players will also remember this game for the rest of their life. That that was hideous. And I don't, I don't even, even know what else there is to add to this, Andy. I don't think, well, here's the thing. I don't think there's any question now that Jimbo Fisher has to hire an offensive coordinator. Like, their offense is so putrid. And Connor Wegman, we thought they looked maybe looked a little better. No, not better with him either. Like they need yard, new ideas. Yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. Yep. They need new ideas. They need something new. They cannot fire Jimbo Fisher or they would have to pay him $86 million. I... I don't think they're going to do that. I really don't. But just in case I am pulling up the calculator app on my phone because we're a bad at math podcast. Wow. This really took a turn. Twenty one and a half million up front. The rest of it paid out over the next nine years. Would you seriously consider it at this point, Ari? No. OK, good. I'm glad I'm glad we got through that because I still don't think it's possible Nobody I've talked to said it's possible. Everybody that you hear anything from says, well, there's a clause in his contract about insupport. No, his contract's on the internet, people. You can read it. It spells out very clearly how he can be fired for cause. It's not what you think it is. So if you want to go read it, type in Jimbo Fisher contract PDF, and it'll come up. So he's got to hire some. People smarter than us read it first before he signed it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. With that much money at stake, you can you can sure you can bet your ass that the language is exactly the way that Jimbo Fisher wanted it. it exactly. So Ari, he's got to hire an offensive coordinator. That has to happen. They are not going to a bowl game now. Obviously, it's been open season. All we know how tampering works. It's all it's everywhere. 
it's been open season on that whole recruiting class pretty much since the wheels started coming off. How much of that recruiting class do you think is at Texas A&M come spring practice? Half. Which would be a, a devastating blow. Which would mean nine top 100 players leaving. Yes. Which is double what a top five class will sign in this year's cycle. Right. And we don't know where they'd go. And no. it might be all different places. Yeah, it just might be like Hanukkah. You know, everybody gets a night. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do they... Yeah, okay. How do, how do you... I'm going to put you in it because you're Mr. Recruiting. You're Mr. Stars Matter. Yeah. I'm going to put you in Jimbo Fisher's shoes. You don't have to talk as fast, but... I, do I get say, a gold Rolex? You you better. You better have one in <laughs> some, gold and some one? fancy fancy custom <laughs> boots, some Lucchese's. Yeah. So... I am one of the members of the class. I'm a let's say I'm a five star defensive lineman. I have played some. I've been somewhat productive. I my my ceiling is is through the roof. I'd probably and change I, the position because you could sell a defensive lineman there. I think. You think so? I think that that would be the easiest person. Okay, to sell. I'm Evan I think Stewart. The receivers. Are I'm the Evan problem. Stewart. <laughs> Coach, you guys were so thin at receiver that you decided I had to be right receiver one at one point. I would like to be wide receiver one, but can I be wide receiver one in a functional offense? What are you going to do about that, coach? Because I got Billy Napier calling me. Well, he's not calling me because that would be against the rules, but I got people who know him calling me and they're saying Anthony Richardson is going to stay and I can catch passes from him because they don't really have any, any dynamic receivers. I got people from Auburn calling me because they're saying they're flipping their whole roster. I got people from Alabama calling me because they didn't have any dynamic receivers this year. I got people from Tennessee calling me going, did you see what we did with these guys this year? What do I, what, what are you going to do coach? And the funniest thing about it is that like the NIL thing that we already got an NIL here, uh, comment, but that's not going to sell them right now. Right, they already the NIL, have an NIL deal with AM. Somebody else is going to offer them an NIL deal and a better offense to play. And in. the stakes are higher because you're trying to get drafted. Right. You know, you might be able to get your your NIL deal your freshman year and, and get some guaranteed money, but the second you become a sophomore, you're a year and a half away from the draft process. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're playing with a, a, a pretty large stake uh when it comes to financial implications. You know what I would say? I mean, I don't even know what you do say, but I would say this has been a building process. Everything that you guys envisioned when you signed last year can still come true, but the only way that that comes true is if you stay. I am. How you gonna make me stay, Coach? How you gonna make me stay? I'm 100 dedicated to looking in the mirror mm. and accepting the faults that we've had offensively this year, and in doing so, I will hire the most qualified and smart offensive coordinator with your best interest in mind to not only help you personally in your in your goals of achieving first round draft pick status because you have the talent to do so but you have my word that AM will have you and the rest of this class in mind as we restructure our offense next year because it's not just you that's got skin in this game I do as well I need you to trust me like you trusted me a year ago I love you I want this program to succeed. I want this offense to be great, and we're going to do everything in our power financially and, you know, work ethic-wise to change that. You going to throw me the rock, Coach? I'm going to throw you the rock. 
deal. Where's my NIL money? I don't know if that that that's good enough, but I think that's kind of like like what else do you say? I think that's that's all he can say, and he ha- he has to have real answers, and he has to have real answers fast. Because the thing about it is that there will be real answers that are guaranteed in the portal. Mm-hmm. That's exactly you got to so, take a leap of faith to stay. Right. You can have the the proof of concept is already there at the places right. that are going to come after them. Tennessee doesn't even have to tamper. Like you watch the Alabama game, yeah. Like they just have to post YouTube clips. <laughs> like and and Florida and Florida State and Miami, these are all places that are like portal open for business. We need receivers. Alabama is going to be like we need receivers. Let's go. There was a, a a really big theme on Saturday. There's a lot of incompetent offenses this year. There are there more are. so than like and when I say incompetent, I mean like awfully hard to watch. Yeah, just frustrating. Like, how can you... Yeah. You practice every day. How can you not do anything? Literally. Yep. So, well, North Carolina, that that's one. Drake may stuck here another year because the NFL has an age limit. <laughs> well, I mean, Downs is so good. He is, but he may be gone. North Carolina would be a hell of a place for Evan Stewart. Yeah, I, and we we keep using Evan Stewart for an example, but like those D linemen don't all have to stay either, right? I think the defensive linemen have more proof of concept, didn't they? Have they've uh, almost all played? They've all played. They've all been pretty good, and they've had linemen drafted on the defensive line the last few years. Like they I have. think that I think the thing with a defensive lineman too is that your tape is your tape. Like when you're a receiver, you're mm-hmm. reliant on someone somebody has to else. throw you the ball, yes. and the the play called has to. be. You're right. A defensive like. Jalen Carter, you put him on any team in the country. He's getting drafted. And the, the NFL is going to be like, we yeah. love you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Harold Perkins, same thing. Oh, man. How great was Harold Perkins? I just had to say that just to turn the knife a little bit because he should be on AM's roster right now, right? That's uh, the AM fans probably thinking that going, oh. You know, they're watching him and going, God. He. I mean, he saved LSU. We haven't really gotten into that game, but we do need to talk about that game because when you find out... I was out convinced K- that Arkansas was going to win the entire game. When you find out KJ Jefferson's not yeah. playing, and that was not the, like... Because the line was between three and four, LSU by three and four, three to four all week. I would think if if it was known to Vegas that KJ Jefferson was not playing, the line would have been higher. Well, so, the question is if KJ Jefferson did play, does Arkansas win? Maybe. Because they they were non functional offensively. They and had the one decent on the drive. They had the one decent drive with Kate Fortin, and that was it. It's a trap. It was a trap. And it was a trap because it was three and a half and four all week. I don't know if I ever saw it at three. Yep. No. So they they could not function offensively without KJ Jefferson. So you're right. If KJ Jefferson had played, we're probably having a different conversation about that game because Ole Miss and Alabama are still in the mix. Significant because Alabama's season ended when they won. Right. Right. So this is going to be as we hurdle toward the finish. Ari, I can't believe this. Only two weeks left for the regular season. I know. I'm like excited to see you in Vegas. But I'm sad that'll be the end of the year. It's like so. It's like kind of like speed it up, but slow it down. We should tell the people about this. I know we've told you about this before, but. We are doing on Championship Saturday live show from Vegas. The next day, when they in, when they introduce the playoff teams, live show from Vegas. We're going to be at the Pac-12 Championship game. 
It's going to be a ton of fun. So if you're out in Vegas that weekend, we're going to be at Mandalay Bay. Our partners at BetMGM are, are hooking us up with space out there. And so we will be in the sports book, and we are going to have a lot of fun all weekend. You may wind up on the podcast yourself if you're there with us. We're probably going to have a bet on the uh, on the use on the Pac-12 championship game. We haven't really decided what that's going to be yet. I, I'm we might already have a bet, Andy. Yeah, we we were discussing the uh, the scorpion shot at Nacho Daddy, where there's it's a shot of tequila with a scorpion in it. I don't know if you have to eat the scorpion. I don't I don't know how that works exactly. Oh but. God, that just grosses me out just thinking about it. Well, oh. we'll we'll see what we got to find out who's going to be in the Pac-12 championship game first, and the picture significantly muddied and could be muddier. So if UCLA wins, this will be the last you hear from us. If UCLA loses, this will also be the last you hear from us. But if UCLA loses, you will have heard something before that we have yet to record. Ari and I will be coming back and recording more to discuss even further the chaos in the Pac-12 if UCLA winds up losing this game, which at this point, Ari... I don't think I'd make any plans. Arizona just blocked a field goal, so. Yeah. This is so much fun. Every weekend, it's so much fun. We love you guys. We got shows all week. We're going to have some fun this week. Whether the playoff rankings change much or not, we'll have plenty to talk about. And you may or may not hear from us again, but at the beginning of the show. But then you'd already know that because you've time traveled. And now my head's going to explode. Goodbye.